Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this episode, with a berth to the fantasy playoffs on the line in most leagues, I'll go through some of the Week 14 rankings with thoughts at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. First at quarterback, the top three are the usual suspects with Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes at the top. And they're followed by Justin Herbert, who hopefully will get Mike Williams back this week, and Tua Tagovailoa in the top five. But a couple spots behind them, someone that's a definite QB1 for Week 14. We have Jared Goff as their overall QB7 facing the Vikings at home. Golf has historically played well versus Minnesota with almost 300 passing yards per game against them in five matchups. And he's been excellent at home this season with a 17-3 touchdown interception ratio in seven games. So Golf is a definite QB1 and should be a top streamer if available for what should be a shootout versus the Vikings. Right behind him is Dak Prescott versus Houston. And the concern here would be the Cowboys simply blowing out Houston and not really needing to throw. The Texans have been better versus the run, but the Dallas defense can score points for themselves, so it could be a relatively disappointing day for Dak, who has yet to surpass 276 passing yards on the season. So six teams on a bye, he's still the overall QB8 and probably should be started, but we could see a heavy dose of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard this week, both of whom are in the top 12 at running back. Jumping outside the top 10, Kyler Murray we have as the QB11. He could have all his playmakers back this week if Rondell Moore is healthy, but the New England defense really knew how to defend him a couple of years ago with just 170 passing yards and an interception through the air. So I think Murray is more of a low-end QB1. And someone that doesn't make the top 12 this week is Deshaun Watson. Watson did not look great in a season debut. It's worth noting that the Browns have had the number for Cincinnati in recent matchups. But Cleveland seems to be running the offense, similar to how they did when Jacoby Brissett was under center. So Watson has a chance of putting up fantasy numbers on the ground, but he's probably a wait-and-see option in terms of QB1 value. The other guy that I'm lower on this week as a streamer is Tyler Huntley in place of Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. He has a tough matchup against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and Huntley is another guy that can do damage as a runner. But the Steelers limited him to 16 of 31 passing for 141 yards and two interceptions last season when he started in place for Jackson. So the floor is probably a little lower than you'd like, and there are probably other options to consider if you're looking for a Week 14 streamer. And finally, to close out at quarterback, another streamer that I'm not high on compared to last week is Mike White versus Buffalo. The game will be in Buffalo, and White had four interceptions against them last season. The Bills lost to the Jets in the first matchup this year. But defensively, they seem to have New York's number. So I'd rather play a streamer like Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, or Russell Wilson this week. Now at running back, a quick dynasty tip. Ramondre Stevenson is someone I'd heavily invest in. According to Fantasy Pro's consensus, he's the RB12 in dynasty leagues. But we just updated ours yesterday and have him now in the top nine at running back. And think he's worth a late second round pick in dynasty startups. Basically, Stevenson, who played 98% of the team's offensive snaps last Thursday night, is beloved by Bill Belichick, who compared him to both Tom Brady and Lawrence Taylor. Damian Harris is set to be a free agent, so Stevenson could be a full-blown feature back in 2023. And the way he catches the ball out of the backfield and can convert near the goal line makes him a matchup-proof option with a chance to be a complete superstar next season. 
for this week, Stevenson is a top seven option, and that's even expecting Damian Harris to play. And the RB1 rankings in general are pretty straightforward, with one difference being, as mentioned, both Zeke and Tony Pollard in the top 12. But beyond that, we have DeAndre Swift above Jamal Williams. Swift as the RB16, and Williams as the RB19 for probably the first time maybe since Swift has been back, as he handled 18 touches last week and whatever, 100, 200 yards with a touchdown. Again, Vikings line should be a shootout, and Swift being healthy makes him an upside RB2. That should pay dividends down the stretch for whoever held on to him. The big thumbs-up option at running back this week for me is Jeff Wilson versus the Chargers, and that's all due to the matchup. Wilson, I don't think, was at 100% last week. He only handled one touch in a game that got away from Miami, but the Chargers remain awful versus the run, and I'm sure the Dolphins will see plenty of soft boxes with Brandon Staley not wanting to get beat deep by Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. So we have Wilson as a top 20 option, and Raheem Mostert, who saw the bulk of the work in Week 13, is also worth starting as an upside flex. Jumping down a little in the RB2 ranks, Cam Akers we have as our RB22 on Thursday night versus the Raiders. The game flow for Los Angeles was definitely in their favor last week with a lead throughout much of the game versus Seattle. And that led to Akers handling 18 touches and scoring twice. The downside is he barely averaged three yards a carry and would be expected to lose a significant amount of work if their hands fall behind. But Sean McVay seems to want to have a run-heavy attack, which surprised me because I thought that'd be the case with Bryce Perkins at quarterback. And instead it was when John Wolford took back over. But McVay will try to shorten the game on a short week. And Akers having the clear lead role on early downs should make him an RB2 with six teams on a bye. And for Kyron Williams, he'll need the Rams to fall behind in order to take advantage of a good matchup. If not, there probably won't be enough opportunities for him to rebound from last week's disappointment. But I still like him as a flex with the hopes that there's a little more balance this week and Williams is able to get more work in the passing game. For the Buffalo backfield, we still have Devin Singletary slightly above James Cook, but the rookie has definitely closed the gap between the two. Last week, he handled a career-high 20 touches in the win over the Patriots, and I think Buffalo will have more balance than they did in the first matchup versus the Jets, when Josh Allen basically did everything with 34 pass attempts and was the leading rusher with 9 attempts for 86 yards and 2 touchdowns on the ground. So look for the combination of Singletary and Cook to see more than 12 carries that they had back in Week 9, and both are in the low-end RB2 flex consideration. For those that need a flyer at the position, there are quite a few options to choose from. DJ Dallas is someone I really like if Ken Walker is out, but Pete Carroll said he's dealing with a high ankle thing, so that could knock him out. He was labeled doubtful to return last week, but ended up cutting through it, which was likely out of necessity with Seattle down to just Tony Jones Jr. So if Dallas ends up suiting up again and Walker's out, he can be a quality flex. But if both guys are out, then Tony Jones will be someone worth considering, even in a tough matchup versus Carolina, though I'm sure the Seahawks would either have Travis Homer back or would add at least another running back to the rotation. And some of the others to consider, if you're low on options, are Chuba Hubbard facing the Seahawks, Mike Boone facing the Chiefs, Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott versus the Giants, and Joshua Kelly 
who seems to have emerged as the clear number two for the Chargers, taking on the Dolphins on Sunday night. For the wideouts, we again have A.J. Brown as the top three option at the position. He just went off against his former team and will now take on a New York defense that should play quite a bit of single coverage based on all the blitzes they'll bring. So Brown can have another monster game, and the Giants just allowed all three of Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel to exceed double-digit fantasy points. So Brown is a high-end wide receiver one, and Devonta Smith is again in the top 20 as well. Jumping down to the overall wide receiver six for this week, we have C.D. Lamb versus Houston. I'm highlighting him as a strong DFS play. I think he'll be the guy to attack versus Houston's zone coverage. And Michael Gallup, who I recommended last week, probably less so of a factor because the Texans play significantly more zone than man coverage. So I think this sets up as a Lamb game, along with Dalton Schultz at tight end. And Gallup is someone to either pick up or hold with an eye towards the fantasy playoffs. We actually have Lamb above Jamar Chase for this week. Chase looked good in his return, but he was held in check versus the Browns last season. I know he's got revenge on his mind for how things played out. He missed the first matchup this year, but based on how many players are worthy of high-end wide receiver one status, he's probably closer to being a mid-range wide receiver one, and we just have him a couple of spots ahead of T. Higgins for this week. Some other wideouts to highlight this week include Mike Williams, who I'm hoping, especially for my sake and my league that I'm trying to get in the playoffs for, is able to return versus the Dolphins. I'd assume when back, Williams will be close to full health after he had a quick setback against the Chiefs last month. So Williams will be an upside wide receiver two if he plays and could find himself back on the wide receiver one borderline for the final four games, including a matchup to look ahead at next week versus Tennessee, who have really struggled to defend wide receivers on the perimeter. And speaking of Tennessee, if he's able to clear the concussion protocol, rookie Traylon Burks has worked his way into the top 30 at wide receiver. He seems to have the full trust of Ryan Tannehill, and that was only bolstered by his touchdown reception last week. So against a Jacksonville defense that often struggled to contain A.J. Brown, Burks will be a definite flex option and hopefully offers a high floor as the clear number one wideout for the Tennessee offense. Another wideout that is currently injured and will likely be questionable for this week is Kadarius Tony, but whenever he's back, I think he'll be worth strongly considering in all formats. It's easy to see that the Chiefs are lacking playmakers right now, with both Tony and Miko Hardman out, so I think whenever Tony is back, he'll be leaned on as a playmaker that can do things with the ball in his hands underneath and also make plays downfield. For some of their lower-end flyer options, Van Jefferson might see more action on Thursday night if the Rams were to fall behind. And I think Tutu Atwell, more of a DFS flyer, might be able to get behind the defense based on his increased playing time. Marvin Jones should see plenty of one-on-one coverage on the perimeter versus Tennessee and is a decent bet for a touchdown versus a smaller group of cornerbacks. Devontae Parker and Nelson Aguilar seem to have separated themselves as the top wideouts alongside Jacoby Myers. And they could be decent last-minute flyers for those maybe waiting on Mike Williams that don't have a clear backup option in case he's inactive again. And finally, digging even deeper, LaVisca Chenault Jr. played a season-high 42% of the team's offensive snaps before the bye week. And based on how Seattle plays their coverage, I think Carolina should attack 
with some drag routes and crossers underneath to get Chenault the ball in his hands and see if he can break a long run. So maybe not an option to consider in redraft leagues, but Chenault is a very cheap flyer with big play upside for DFS lineups. Finishing off at tight end, I'm assuming David Njoku will be out again after not looking close to suiting up in week 13. So that's the situation I find myself in trying to replace Njoku in my redraft league. Last week I went with Evan Ingram, who we had ranked as a tight end eight, and he paid off with the touchdown. This week in that same slot as a tight end eight, we have Hunter Henry, and that's all due to the matchup versus Arizona. The Cardinals are allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends, and Henry has seen steady playing time all season and has seen a respectable five targets in each of the past two games. Behind him, we have Greg Dulcich as our overall tight end nine versus Kansas City. Justin Reed was talking like he was able to shut down Hayden Hurst last week, but it looked like Hurst was on his way to a nice game before getting injured. And we'll see if Dulcich is able to take advantage of the matchup with the Broncos potentially playing without Cortland Sutton due to a hamstring injury. So Dulcich has provided a big play upside, and that will be needed if Denver has any chance of an upset this week versus the Chiefs. And someone I like based on the upside and talent that's hanging on as a top 12 option is Mike Gesicki in a good matchup versus the Chargers. Gesicki has been a disappointment with just one target in each of the past two games. But LA has been susceptible to opposing tight ends. And as stated before, I think them playing a shell coverage with two deep safeties to stop the speed of Miami should open up space for Kasiki to work the intermediate areas of the field. And it would be a mistake for Miami to not make him a bigger part of the offense to bounce back from last week's loss. And finally, not too exciting in terms of the upside, but Daniel Bellinger was able to catch all five of his targets in his return to the lineup. And for the season, he's actually caught 21 of 23 targets in eight games. And the Eagles have been better defending tight ends this season. But I still think that's an area for New York to potentially attack. And that will conclude this episode. As always, thank you for listening. And you can find our full rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, And this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.